Hey everyone, Preston Keller here. Welcome to the Rush Student Ministry Podcast. This episode was put together short notice and impromptu due to current events in America, but we felt it had to happen. The tragedies involving names like George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and many, many more have brought an issue of the highest importance to the forefront of society, culture, and the church. I had the opportunity to sit down and have a conversation on racism and youth ministry with three amazing leaders. I was joined by Rima Duncan, a pastor of a church plant in Metro Chicago, Josh Carson, the youth president of an organization called United Pentecostal Church International, and James Wilson, a full-time evangelist and recording artist. Our goal for this episode is to give you action items and handles on how to deal with the topic of racism and social injustice within the context of youth ministry. Honestly, you'll hear us plan out our second episode sometime in the future at the end of this episode because we got about 55 minutes into this conversation and it felt like we were just scratching the surface. We all have a lot to learn, but the good news is we can learn, grow, and do our best to lead change in this next generation together. Welcome to my conversation on racism and youth ministry with Rima Duncan, Josh Carson, and James Wilson. Thank you everyone for joining our conversation on a very important topic today. For context, we are recording this episode on June 3rd, 2020 in the USA. We are over two months into the global pandemic called COVID-19 and church and youth ministry and business meetings and more have been largely operated online during quarantine. Some states right now are beginning to open up to in-person church services while other states have a ways to go. Unfortunately, what sparks and brings this conversation alive today is the tragedy of racism, of social injustice, and of Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd and more. And currently, the big cities across our nation have been experiencing riots and protests, both peaceful and not. We are here today to do our best to help you, youth pastor, and you, youth leader, on how to best place these current events as individuals and how to best lead your youth groups full of junior hires, high schoolers, and young adults through these current events. Today, I'm joined by three amazing leaders and great friends of mine. All four of us are uh, ministers with the United Pentecostal Church International. We've got Josh Carson, Rima Duncan, and James Wilson. I'm so honored to have all three of you here for this conversation. And let's start off by allowing um, our audience to get to know you a little bit better and uh, what you're currently up to in ministry. And of course, right now, it's probably a quarantine ministry in a way. Uh, Rima, why don't you start us off? Hey, my name is Rima Duncan. I am a missionary to Chicago, urban Chicago. Grew up in New York City and proud to serve 
uh, under the United Pentecostal Church in this capacity. Thank you for inviting me on this uh, this chat. This conversation is um, very needed, and I'm thankful to be a part of it. Absolutely. Brother Carson? Yeah, Josh Carson. I currently work with UPCI Youth Ministries as the um, Youth Ministries President. I am currently in this unique state doing a lot of preaching camps to cameras and um, via the COVID pandemic. Uh, this is year 20 for me in youth ministry, which makes me sound extremely old. Um, but the reality is uh, I'm excited to join the conversation for a long-standing issue that I'm glad that that we're we're discussing uh, today. So that's that's kind of where I'm sitting right now. I'm doing a lot of lot of preaching to cameras, but very thankful. I actually got to preach to real people on Sunday, and it was a blessing. <laughs> that's awesome, James. Yeah, James Wilson uh, currently. Uh, serving as the United Pentecostal Church International Evangelist. I served about six and a half years in music ministry uh, in Maryland, but I uh, grew up in uh, South Mississippi, Loosedale, Pascagoula, Mississippi. The Squirrel Revival in Pascagoula with Brother Ray Stevens. I know all about it. And uh, so I uh, grew up there. And so this conversation, uh, just being from the Deep South, uh, is particularly important to me. Um, and uh, I'm just, I'm excited, Preston, that we're having this conversation. And man, I'm, I'm more, I know I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself, more convinced than ever that, that the body of Christ is being unified in all of this. And I'm just thankful that you're, that you're having this conversation and, and thankful to be a part of it. Thanks for letting me be a part of it. Amen. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you guys one more time for, uh, taking time out of your busy schedules to be here for this conversation. And uh, let me say uh, from the outset, more and more conversations on the topic of racism in our nation and in uh, from the church's context, more and more of these conversations are being had, which is great. And more are being posted social media, brother David Bernard um, and the UPCI just recently uh, hosted a conversation. We know Adam Shaw on the Restorationist podcast. They just had a conversation. Um, T.D. Jakes just talked to Carl Lentz. Uh, John Gray just talked to Stephen Furtick. More and more of these conversations in the church are, are coming out, which is awesome. So please go listen and watch. But the goal of what we're doing here today is to bring that conversation into the context of youth ministry. And we are going to do our best to give actionable handles that you, youth pastor, you, youth worker, can take and apply once you're done listening to this episode, watching this episode, and apply it to your ministry and life right now. That's the goal. We want to give some, some handles that you can apply uh, right away. So let's dive right in. Um, we're talking to leaders, to youth leaders. Um, Man, not not even uh, as we got into all of these tragedies of, of race, uh, racism, but even just the global crisis, the, the quarantine life we have uh, in a lot of ways probably carried, harbored um, emotional stress, anxiety, uh, whether we know it or not, for over two months. That's a, that's a long sustained uh, time. So in that context, and now we put uh, on top of that, 
video and video as you scroll through Facebook and, and YouTube and Instagram of, of all of these heavy, heavy topics. Um, as a leader, how do I remain healthy uh, in the middle of stressful crisis, uh, spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally? Let's just start here uh, for our youth leaders. How do we remain in a healthy state of mind? I can kind of start us off, Preston. I know um, for me um, as a leader, I think you have to have great self-awareness as to where you are at uh, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. And uh, there's this pressure, right, to be on social media and to be engaged in the news and everything that's going on. But I think wisdom says, um, we have been in a pandemic for two months. There's a lot of stress, emotional stress, trauma that we've dealt with. And I believe for many people, uh, this has been the icing on the cake. This has been the, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. And there are a lot of people that are right now really dealing with stress, leaders, stress, anxiety, pressure. And my question to them has been, okay, well, what, what are you, are you taking a moment to get off of social media, to get off of uh, Facebook and Instagram and get yourself back to a place spiritually, mentally, emotionally, where you can lead those that you are responsible for to where they need to be? Because if we're not healthy as leaders, how can we expect to lead others to a place of health? And, and so that's the mentality that I've taken. I've, I've stepped away from social media during this last week uh, for a day or two and just took some time to pray and seek the face of God. Because what I don't want to do is allow the narrative of this world to um, become my narrative. I want, I want to see what God has to say about all this. And I understand the power of social media. I understand that it can be a powerful mechanism to, 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 talk to people and, and to at least start conversations. I don't know that we can truly come to a conclusion on social media, but we can at least begin to start a conversation perhaps on social media. But if you're not in a place of health, then you need, you need to get healthy. And sometimes that means getting off social media. Sometimes that means taking a break from all that stuff and allowing yourself to detox all of that to hear what God is trying to speak to you. So that's, that's been my advice to friends, peers, other leaders that I've talked to is where, where are you at? You got to know where you, if you're fine and you can engage in this emotionally, well then I think, okay, that's, that's, that's good. But I'm finding a lot of people right now are just drained, man. They're just, they're tired, they're drained. And so to that person, I would say you probably need to get off for a while until you get back to a place of health because you are responsible for leading others and you can't lead others right until you first lead yourself. Most definitely. And I would echo, you know, what brother Wilson said about detaching. You got to detach yourself uh, from uh, every, every other voice. There's a lot of voices out there. There's a lot of opinions out there. There's a lot of narratives out there and a lot of different vantage points where these narratives are coming from. And so 
detaching yourself and having a good, healthy time away from ladening your mind with current circumstances, it's a road to nurturing your emotions and your spirit and your mind back to uh, a stability. There needs to be a stability and a balance. And um, I do believe that there needs to be a detached, but there also needs to be uh, some sort of engagement. It doesn't have to be through social media. We have to talk. We have to talk. We can't stay quiet. We can't bottle things up. And so where do we have those conversations? Not everybody's able to have a conversation like this uh, that we're having right now. But you have family members, you have neighbors, you have friends that you can directly talk to, not necessarily through a post or through your feeds, but talk directly to someone and uh, have some conversations, pray together with with other people. And especially when things get emotionally draining, as uh, Brother Wilson was saying, you know, sometimes we can't, we don't even have the words to say when, when we pray. We just sit there and we're just full of emotions but we do need that help of our brother and our sister and somebody that uh, they may not be 100% healthy either, but you know, we, we, we're in this together. We, we need a family and that's what the body of Christ is for. Yeah, so good. Um, you know, I think the pandemic put us to a place where we were, we were all separated, right guys? I mean, the church was separated, the body. And, and I think the dangerous reality is because we're talking about, health here during this time of stress. I think the dangerous reality is it's actually exposed the um, either abundance or the lack thereof of spiritual maturity Um, during a time of being apart, I think is when we find out whether we are in solitude or isolation. You know, isolation is, is not from God. Solitude is solitude is, is, you know, Christ was the great master of, of teaching and showing even the disciples what it meant to go a stone's throw, what it meant to get solitude so that he could be in times of prayer in solitude, you grow in your spiritual maturity. And I think that's uh, really something we're trying to focus on when it comes to our mental health and our spiritual health isolation, however, is this disconnect from the body. And so you grapple for things to fill the void. And unfortunately that's where this social media comes in. It's like sitting around and all you eat is Cheetos and Oreos. And unfortunately, (laughs) while that might be the physical uh, diet for a lot of teenagers, when it comes to spiritual, at some point, what you put in is what, what you produce and how you become. I'll never forget two years ago, here at the house on a Thanksgiving day, my father had a heart attack and um, we ended up in the hospital that night. Thank God he was okay. They had to put a stent in, but I'll never forget standing there over the bed and listening to the doctor talk to him. And he just kept saying, what you ingest in your body affects the way your heart works. And, you know, obviously I'm just, I'm just taking all this in. And lately I'm in this I'm in this real place where I'm, I feel like God is helping me to process the divine connection between the heart and the mind, how we think about things, what's been planted in our hearts and what we're doing in our time of being alone. Um, there's a great, great book by Chris Thurman called The Lies We Believe. I'd encourage people to read this. Really gives a, a view, a God view. But in the beginning of that, he quotes A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer said, what comes to our mind when we think about God is really the most important thing about us. And so in a place in a time like this, 
I think we're, we're having to figure out what our perspective of God is. How can I adequately view myself, much less have an adequate view of the humanity that he has created if I have a skewed version of who God is? And so I, I think it's a time where we have had to be challenged, um, Preston, to really, really make sure that we are spiritually mature and spending time. Uh, you know, as my friends were saying here, it, we got to be in prayer. Yes, we have to join the conversation. I just think we got to make sure when we join the conversation that we're healthy enough to join. Mm. Absolutely. 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 Yeah, one thing. Um, we we've mentioned on our youth leader zooms and and it's an anthem here on our local youth team is no starving bakers what good is a, a baker baking bread to, to feed all the others if they never take time to feed themselves right wow so in the context of youth ministry absolutely um, can i find out if you, have you preached that title anywhere <laughs> we, we always find ourselves having this conversation don't we <laughs> don't muzzle the ox <laughs> well, uh, for, for all the 2021 uh carson sermons just you know, there's a little preston in there somewhere <laughs> oh, that's so good awesome yes great great intro for our, our personal health it it matters so so much um Let's get on the, the big topic, and this is a part of those action items that hopefully we can uh, help youth leaders walk away from this conversation and um, be able to know a little bit more what to do um, in this season, what not to do, what to say, what not to say. So let's, let's go to social media. We've already um, brought it up even in our personal health. Um, what do I post right now? Uh, what do I not post right now? What do I speak up about? What do I stay silent about? And are those different answers depending on my race or gender? Yeah, this is a this is a very uh, pivotal uh, topic to be talking about right now because if we are healthy enough to engage from what angle do we engage it? Uh, how do we, uh, highlight the important and the essentials and uh, how do we stay away from, uh, giving connotations to something that is uh, negative or can highlight uh, the wrong part of uh, certain narratives. It's, it's very, it's very difficult. And listen, I, I don't, I don't claim by any stretch to be a diplomatic person. And, uh, sometimes I, I need a, I need to sit down in a good lesson intact, but even more so, uh, when people are given a voice freely as our uh, social media platforms do, I mean, we've got, we've got all types of things that can be out there. So as a youth leader, how do we, what do we say? Do we say anything at all? Or, you know, if we say something, uh, from what uh, angle do we present our thoughts and our positions? Uh, the first thing I'm going to say, and again, I already gave a disclaimer. Sometimes I, I, I can uh, lack some tact. 
But I'm going to say this right now, and uh, I want to help some people. The worst thing you can do is, uh, as a leader, as a youth leader, is take a picture with, if you are not a person of color, is go, you know, take a photo op or stage a photo with a bunch of your uh, students or friends that are people of color to justify that I'm with you. That's the worst thing you could do right now. As a, as a person of color myself, I don't view that as positive. I view that as you're overcompensating. Hmm. You know, so we, we need to stay away from that, definitely. But we also uh, do need to engage in some of these conversations as a leader, as a youth leader, from a biblical perspective. That's the only thing that's going to be valid. We got to have a healthy biblical perspective. Definitely has to be sanctioned, you know, by your spiritual authority. Let's not forget about that. But at the same time, you know, we, we cannot stay silent in some areas, but we cannot uh, offend by trying to help because that could be even more dangerous than um, not helping at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I think you have to be very calculated in how you respond because things can be viewed at you know, uh, it could seem as, as if you're being patronizing with, with some of the, the things that people can post. Hmm. And so you have to be very careful. And for me, I think anyone's, I think your response should be number one, as, as Brother Rima said, I think you should talk to your spiritual authority, have a conversation with them before you kind of start engaging. And I do believe you need to engage, but I believe that conversation needs to be had first. And then I would say, you know, there's this narrative going around that if you, if you don't speak, then you're part of the problem. And what I believe is that that is a very dangerous concept that is floating around because there's not much clarity in that statement are we talking about social media like if you don't speak out on social media is is are you silent are we talking about in general because i think you have to be very careful i don't think that if someone is silent on social media and their entire life they've spent time investing in the black community and they are having conversations that you cannot see that they are a part of the problem I would say this, social media is a very powerful um, tool. And so if you're speaking about a lot of other things, but you don't speak about this issue, you have to understand how that can be viewed. You know what I mean? And so I do think you can be speaking out on social media can help you be a part of the solution better. But I would say this, if, if if I'm a leader, before I make a post on social media, I'm calling every one of my students that I have their number that that is that is someone of color and I'm and I'm having a convert that is how I'm speaking out. I'm going to them, hey, are you okay? How is everything going? Is are are you like what are you experiencing? What are you feeling? Have I ever done anything 
that 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 could hurt you. That's that is how we speak out. That is how we get involved. And I think that the we have to be careful. And I'm not saying hear me. I'm not I'm not saying that social media is not a great thing. I'm not saying that it can't be a positive thing. But I think this narrative personally, and this is my opinion, and I think we have to state that these are all opinions, right? And, and that's another thing that I would say is there has to be there has to be uh, grace and mercy because in the conversation with so many nuances and so many layers and levels, chances are we're probably not all going to agree on everything. There's so many ways and angles to approach this. So you have to give me enough grace and enough mercy to know that maybe I, I have blind spots and you have blind spots and we just got to figure this thing out together, you know? And so my personal opinion is social media, um, although it can help, I do not believe that it should be our first method of ensuring that people who are truly hurting the black community right now are cared for. That, that, that is not, in my opinion, the, if, if I am someone uh, uh, that is not black from, from a black person's perspective, what I want to hear is, is, is a, a phone call. What I want to see is a text message. What I want to see is people reaching out to me. And so as a leader, I will, my response to this would be to personally go to someone before I ever post on social media. Um, and then at that point, once you've done that, I think if you want to post on social media, I think do that with wisdom. Uh, but my advice would be, and again, this is my opinion on this. Um, you need to go to that person first because that's going to be a lot more effective and lasting than just one social media post that floats into the sea, you know, uh, of oblivion, you know, uh, uh, a week after it's been posted. You know what I mean? So. Man. So, so good. I, I would, uh, uh, directly to social media. Let me uh, let me maybe toss this even back out if I can do it that way. I find myself so concerned as a national leader right now about hashtags, about every new hashtag that's created and every new, uh, I guess as a leader, guys, we're, we're always so concerned about what's the root of a thing. And right now the root of the thing we're talking about the root of racism is sin. That's what we're really discussing. Right. And so I get very nervous when I watch young people and I'm going to say, even watching leaders. So blindly jump on just using any, any hashtag <laughs> that they want it, that they're seeing out there, because I think brother Wilson, what you just said, really, unless I'm missing it, it's the nail on the head there. There, there can be this fear. If I don't join the public conversation, then I don't, I don't love black people. I don't love, I, I, I'm, I'm not involved. So I've got to jump on and I've got to use all these hashtags. And I've been trying to talk to the people that I'm, I'm a voice in their life. And I'm saying, this was our conversation before videos started circulating. It's got to be our conversation. It's got to be our voice during and it's going to have to be our voice after. And that's, we stand on scripture. Mm -hmm. We post on the authority of scripture based on the love of God. For me, I love what I'm hearing because it makes me feel stronger, I guess, in the fact of having some of these private conversations and enter, entering dialogue. But I, 
I don't know if I can kick that back and, and maybe help us with some wisdom on this, on just jumping on every hashtag. Brother Keller, if that's all right, I think that's critical with this social media conversation right now. Um, yeah. and, and, I, and I will say, say this, and I'll, I'll toss it to Brother, Brother Rima. I know he probably wants to chime in. I know I just talked before Brother Carson did, but I will say this. Um, yeah, there, there, there's so many hashtags and things floating around uh, that, that people, if they did a little research, um, they, they might not want to be aligning themselves with certain hashtags and certain things. Because on the surface, it may look okay, but there are some hashtags and movements that are associated with this that are so anti-Christian and anti-God mm. uh, that, that, that people might be embarrassed that they align themselves with it. So before you, before you post and align, and there's this pressure, right? I'm not criticizing anyone which is why it's so important to, to be so calculated and prayerful about this before you post, um, before you engage, uh, you know, because there, there's so many things right now that can be, um, that you can align yourself with that are actually anti-Christian, anti what we stand for. Um, so I think you have to be very careful and, and I'll kind of go back to this and then toss, toss it to Brother Rima. I, I do, I don't know that I made this clear, but I do believe in speaking out. I want to make that clear. Yeah. I do believe that it is the responsibility of the church to deal with issues of injustice. Yeah. However, what I am challenging is the method by which we do this. I do not believe social media should be the absolute only method that we do this. And I don't believe it should be the primary method that we do this. If you want to truly make an impact and have a conversation, I believe getting involved in the black community, uh, having conversation with your friend, I believe that is how you do it. If you're silent and you never have a conversation with your black brother or sister, and you never get involved in the black community, then you, you probably are a part of the problem. You probably are uh, um, not at least moving the, 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 the issue forward, I would say that. I don't know that I would go so far as to say you're a part of the problem. You're definitely not helping move the situation forward. Um, so that's how I feel. I believe we got to have a conversation about these things. But so many people are feeling the pressure right now uh, of all different races, uh, you know, if if I post, you know, are are people going to think I'm racist? If 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 I don't post, are people going to think I'm racist? If I post, am I gonna? Is my community going to lash out at me? If I don't post, will my community lash out at me? There's this pressure right now that we feel, and that is not of God. That 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 is we don't operate out of. Uh, of that pressure, I, I think, especially with something as fickle as social media, yeah. uh, there just needs to be a lot of wisdom right now in how we operate. But I'll, I'll quit talking. I've been talking a lot. I'll toss it to the No, this is good, bro. This is good. And, uh, man, it is so dangerous to try to marginalize our spiritual authority and relegate them to uh, responding to public crises 
in the way that the world is doing because yes. that's the trending way. Right. Uh, don't marginalize your pastor. Don't categorize them as afraid or anything like that to address certain situations, which, you know, Brother Carson hit the nail right on the head. You know, sin is sin. Racism is a sin. And your pastor's been preaching about sin. It's <laughs> just point blank. And if, if we are, if we are uh, trying to do our best to uh, live for God, uh, do the basics, be, be uh, biblically sound and disciple makers, uh, those things will fall in line with our walk with God and our Christian character. But uh, trying to pigeonhole our leaders to uh, join uh, a conversation in an un unhealthy way is unfair. It's unfair to our leaderships. That's unfair to our pastor. That's unfair to our youth leaders. And like, uh, there's something uh, flowing around, and, and this is you know young adults and young people saying, you know, why is not why isn't uh, my pastor saying something about this? Or uh, uh, if you're a preacher and you're not speaking up, then uh, you're, you're a part of the problem. That you know that there are many different ways, as was already said on this conversation, to engage. And on a, a digital public forum is not the only and shouldn't be the primary way to engage, you know. But facts are that most people, um, they're not, uh, their 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 attention and their concentration is on digital public forums. Yeah. So there has to be some type of engagement. But before this conversation is needed, if we are doing things like Brother Wilson was saying is being engaged in the black community. And again, I'm going to say, don't try to marginalize your church or your spiritual leadership because not every community has a black community, right. you know? And, and so what about that? What about <laughs> communities that don't necessarily have a lot of uh, black people uh, or any other uh, ethnicities? Uh, are they by default racist? No, no. And we need to make sure that, uh, how when we engage, uh, we're not trying to uh, categorize or marginalize anybody to engage the way we are because their realities are not the same realities because their communities are not the same communities. And so good. So good. Well, let, let me, uh, let me uh, enlighten everyone, our listeners on my context, because um, I, I think what you just said, Rima, uh, th this will help this will help a lot of leaders. And because I'm in Ohio, uh, most of our listeners right now are from Ohio, but uh, other, other states as well. My context is I'm in Lancaster, Ohio, 25 miles southeast of Columbus, uh, which so Columbus is our big city. It's a wonderfully diverse city. Uh, Columbus is, is amazing. Are experiencing uh, rioting and vandalism and all. That's that's our big city. That's that's experiencing that. Just 25 miles down the road, you find Lancaster, Ohio, about 40,000 people. When we moved in here, we moved here to uh, become the pastor of the church here. My family, my dad's the pastor. Lancaster was 98% Caucasian. Wow. Completely uh, Republican. Columbus is not, you know, Republican city, 98% Caucasian. I am going on year six of being a youth pastor. I have never youth pastored 
an African-American student. So, um, and I know there's a lot of other leaders um, that uh, can relate to that, that would be listening right now. Um, so I just bring that up to, to hopefully encourage someone. Uh, how do I get involved? Let me ask that for myself and the listener that relates to my context. How do I get involved as a, as a white youth leader with possibly not even an African-American student? You know, and uh, I, I'm, I want to jump in here and I, I am so appreciative of this conversation because yeah. we cannot, I, and I hate to say it this way, we cannot hold uh, every community and every community leader to the same uh, views and same standards because their realities are different. Yes. And uh, in a town of Lancaster that uh, hardly has any minority culture and ethnicity groups, chances are that 98% of your church is not of another ethnicity or, or another or culture or people group. And so does that make that church uh, by default uh, prejudiced or racist? No, and I want to say that right now. No. Right. They cannot minister to the black community because there is no black community in Lancaster. So does, does that make the city of Lancaster uh, anti-black? No. Black yeah. people just haven't chosen to move there. So, yeah. you know, we can only help in a, in a way that affects our immediate community. And I don't want to jump ahead, but uh, there's a talk point that I believe you're going to address about uh, how do we address racism in youth groups and do we do it in a youth class setting or anything like that? And I, it all begins in uh, the community at large, but in particularly our homes. You know, we cannot trumpet from a pulpit what's not propagated in the home. Very it won't last. It's not sustainable. Yeah. And so you know, I'm not sure how do we help young people if their viewpoints and, and, and preferences culturally are primarily being founded in a place where they're spending most of their time and which is not our churches. So we have to engage it from the authority level, the parents, who, who are they listening to and, and, and things of that nature. But uh, as, as a youth leader that you, you probably don't have any uh, black people or even, you know, Latino people or any other culture group, Indian or Asian or Native American, you don't have that. Uh, how do you help? <clears throat> well, you help by trying to educate our parents to give a healthy perspective on our interactions between other ethnicities, because it's not a, a, a frequent reality in our immediate community, we have to begin to give example and give healthy biblical perspective at a parent level. And I've served in youth ministry in different capacities. And there are people on this chat that have served in far longer than I have. But I think, uh, I think it would be echoed if I said that most of the issues in youth ministry are not the youth. You better preach now. 
you know, it starts at a parent level. Yeah. And so how can we do that? We have to begin to also as youth leaders with under the direction and with the assistance or in conjunction with our pastors, try to engage our parents in uh, helping healthy conversations about these topics at home. Man, so good. Can I, yeah. I, I gotta, I gotta tag team, tag, tag me in for a second. Oh, go ahead, brother. Uh, so this man, Pastor Duncan is hitting it, the nail on the head here. Think about this. If, okay, so you're Preston, you're, you're youth pastor right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if the average attention span of your, of your junior high, senior high, post-modernity, research tells us that we need a new emotional hook every two minutes to keep their attention. That's scary in and of itself. That's for a college age student. So imagine now you're junior high or senior high. That's why we always got to, you know, have all these sermonette props to prop up what we're doing and keep their attention in our slides and our, um, with all that said, imagine at best, at best, if you could really get them engaged at best, you have 40 minutes a week. If you really add up all your teaching time, you as a youth pastor, you have about 40 minutes a week. You may even have two classes, but when it comes to attention span, over oh, now let's take that at 52 weeks a year, and you're not getting all those weeks because you're losing some to vacation, some to, sun, to Easter, Christmas, yada, yada. You're losing. But say you really get a full 40 minute a week in teaching you get less than 1.5 days out of 365 to make a dramatic influence on the mental capacity and the life of that student. What is being done at home is so absolutely critical. Hmm. During this pandemic, what our students have been ingesting, when Hollywood is writing the narrative, when media is promoting, we can say whatever we want, The agenda of Hollywood is the agenda of hell. The agenda of the media is to be the masters of confusion. And confusion does not come from God. That's why when you watch the media coverage right now, you, you, you witness the individuals that are busting out the windows, not the individuals that are sweeping up the glass on the ground. You, they are the masters of confusion. And if mom and dad are not willing to sit down and have the conversation right now, and I'm going to tell you where the conversation starts in a home. It starts right here in this book. Mm. And if it is awkward, this is why I try to counsel our parents. If it would throw your kids for a loop to hear you speak in tongues at home, you have a great problem. If your children are not used to hearing you being moved on by the Holy Ghost and and normative for them is to hear you argue at home and then put on a plastic smile when you walk back into church and everything's fine or normal for them is to watch for them to watch you watch view process digest Listen, here's our problem as the church. I'm just going to stay on this tangent and I'll stop for a second. But our process, our problem as the church right now is if we're not careful, we are consistently consuming things that we ourselves publicly proclaim that we do not believe and will not live, but we consume them. The eye being the light to our entire body and it's planting it in our mind and in our heart. And then we wonder why we say ignorant things, why we engage the conversation, why we're so easily offended, why we're stressed or we're drained. It's because we are doing in, 
it's no, it's no coincidence that during the pandemic, selfies took such a dive because that's the other whole thing on this social media conversation is social media is for the most part, social media is false. It is the absolute best snapshot of yourself. It's like pulling out one scripture from an entire book and saying that one scripture fits the entire, that scripture speaks for the entire context. That's what Brother Wilson or or Brother Duncan, I'm not sure which one of you were saying it, but it's like thinking that you're going to heal everything with engaging by one post as if that's the full context of your life and who you are. Um, And so I I just come back to this parents help us get, get, if you listen to this, get on board with us in this and make sure that it's the home that is producing a biblical setting that way out of your, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And um, anyway, I throw that. I'm sorry. I went a a little tangent. No, that's great. Moms and dads, you got to help us with this. It's not the pastor's fault and it's not the youth pastor's fault. They get a, about 1.5 and let's give the pastor the other 1.5. So they got, they got three days out of the year of really, as far as cognitive thinking, to really try to get the attention span. What are we doing with the other 362? Absolutely. That's so good. And yeah, that, that, that was, that's a classic youth ministry conversation before all of this is the the parents. So uh, for our leaders, let's try just real quick to um, give a practical handle. uh, How can we have a conversation with our parents right now? Do we need to set up a Zoom with our parents? Do we need to, uh, what, what, what can we do? I would say yes, whatever format, if I can just jump in here from the start, set up whatever format you can. And I'm going to come back to, if you need to just make a phone call to every single parent individually, the success of any ministry is built on the relational bridges that are established. Most people, most people walk across a relational bridge to have a spiritual experience. Most people are one, one one-on-one, they're one to the kingdom of God one-on-one, and then they're ministered to one-on-one. There was alone time between Christ and the disciples. He did great things in big crowds, but he did some of his most impressive work in small crowds. And the ability to model that, make a phone call, set up a Zoom call, or another format, whatever it is, but enter the dialogue biblically, not as a free-for-all, but making sure that you are very clear 99% of all frustration comes through poor communication. And we cannot expect people to not be confused or frustrated if we're not clearly uh, communicating during this all. That's awesome. So good. Yep. Nothing more to add to that point. I think they hit hit the nail on the head there. So, so good. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about students uh, for, for a little bit and, so if we, it, it's, it's a lot of it's on the parents. Most of it is on the home, right? Um, what, what are some things that we can do right now? Um, do, do we need to make a, a insert social injustice into our June curriculum teaching or uh, do we, is, is prayer. How do we prayer? Uh, how do we pray with our students or give them a, a prayer guide on the current events going on? Any practical ideas uh, here leading our students through this crisis? Yeah, I would, 
I would say, and I'll toss it to Brother Raymond here in a sec, I would say as he made the statement earlier, every situation is not the same. And so I think you need to look at the environment of your student ministry, your youth group, and if there is a lot of um, stress, anxiety, um, tension going on right now in your youth group, it might be a good idea to do a series and address it head on and uh, take a few weeks and talk about this, have time for Q&A, have time for sharing. That might be a good thing. But for others, um, let's just say you have a mostly, you know, minority type youth group, uh, you know, and maybe maybe you feel like you're at a place of health or, uh, and obviously there are two sides of this conversation. Maybe you need to have a, 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 a series with a minority youth group about how they should respond. I mean, there's so many ways you could go about it, but I think, think you need to survey your youth group and see where they are at in terms of, I do think something has to be said, um, give, give direction, but the, to what extent, I think all completely depends on where your youth group is at, where your student ministry is at right now in this. There's a lot of tension and I'm sure there are student ministries right now where you have young people, they're, they're fighting back and forth. One, one feels justified in this opinion, another feels justified in this opinion. And there's this tension going on. I'm sure there are youth ministries that are experiencing that right now. Yeah, it might be a good idea for you to take a few weeks and just address this issue head on. Um, because the thing about a topic, an issue such as racism, I don't know that there's something that is more divisive than, than this topic. It literally can rip a youth ministry, a student ministry apart if you're not careful. And so, yeah, we can't put our head in the sand if, if things are falling apart. We, we might need to address it head on. But for other youth groups, it may not need to be a four-week series. It may just need to be a reminder, a conversation uh, where, hey, we don't stand for this. And I know I don't think we have this problem in our youth group, but just a reminder, this is a biblical response to situations like this. This is where the Bible says we should align on this and, and be done with it. So I think that it is is situational. It's completely situational. Hmm. You know, I you know I think as we're proceeding to try to uh, help practically and some actionable steps to help and uh help the people that we lead navigate through everything that's going on right now and particularly our riots and uh, social injustice. There's a few things I want to say, uh, you know, we all, uh, preachers are not activists. We are not mm. activists. We're apostolic. We're not activists. Mm. As an apostolic Pentecostal preacher, or if you are from a certain flavor of Christianity and you're listening and watching this right now, uh, I would say the first thing you need to do is have a clear diagnosis of what you're dealing with. Because there's a, there's a very distinct difference between racism and prejudice. Mm. Prejudice simply is I have prejudged prejudice prejudice i have prejudged 
and I have a preconceived notion of what this person thinks of me and how this person will treat me. Hmm. I.e., a young, young black man with a hoodie on walking in, in a city sees a patrol car with a white police officer. He will, uh, he will immediately think this police officer is going to uh, probably um, say something to me. You are prejudging that this person is going to view you in a certain light or on the opposite end, that uh, white police officer seeing this uh, young black man with a hoodie on walking, maybe it's dark at night and he pulls over to stop and frisk or to, you know, uh, ask him where he's going. Do you live around here? Uh, they do have certain profiles that they probably look for. Uh, and I don't think it's necessarily altogether racial profiles, but that is also a form of prejudice because you are prejudging that this person fits a certain uh, category that they, they are more susceptible to crime and do certain things. That's prejudice. Now, racism is I straight out hate you. I, I haven't prejudged you. When I think about you, I hate what you are. I hate what you stand for. I hate what your people stand for. I hate what your culture produces. Um, I just don't like you. And there's nothing that can change my mind. That's racism. So you need to diagnose what you're dealing with in your immediate community and in your immediate uh, people that you're leading. If you're, if you're dealing with straight up hate or if you're dealing with a traditional mindset, two different things because one is a learned behavior and the other is an emotional concrete standard that you've chosen to uh, take a position on. And once you diagnose that, then you can, uh, for lack of a better term, treat it with biblical directives. And uh, I, I would say to have some actionable steps, you need to do like some of our brethren are saying, make some one-to-one -one contacts, uh, call parents and call and probe them on what's going on. Don't uh, give a position, just try to listen for their position. Then you'll know uh, if you're dealing with a, a prejudice or traditional mindset, a learned behavior or straight up uh, hatred. And uh, I just don't like these type of people. And using the discernment of the spirit of God and you know the gifts of the spirit, word, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits, you'll be able to pick up in a matter of seconds what you're dealing with. I'm so good. So good. Um, guys, one, one thing on my mind, um, I don't want this to be a one and done podcast episode where on the Rush Student Ministry podcast, there was, yeah, there was that one episode on racism in the middle of, of the crisis. I would love to do this again if the three of you uh, would be would be willing to to meet up again in the future and continue this conversation, would that be something you'd be? Absolutely. And I think we're scratching the surface, really, aren't we? Just scratching the surface, and I want to I, I want to respect respect your time today. So if we if we could do this again, I would love to continue this conversation. Uh, for I make one request when we when we when we come back next time. I, Pastor Reem, I want us to launch on this prejudice thing. I want us to talk about this difference between prejudice because this this comment I've heard through this. I, and I, if it's okay, I, it's your podcast, brother Keller. I'm sorry, but I'd love. I think this is just a launching point because I've heard people say I don't have any prejudice in me. 
oh, you better search your heart. Yeah. And you better search your mind. We all do. It, we are the, we are all the result of context. Mm. And um, so if, if that can so be the launching pad, cause there's so much more to do on, on this topic and to really continue to just flesh it out. Absolutely. And thank you guys so much. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up here. Um, but for our youth leaders, uh, Pastor Rima, you mind closing us out in prayer? Oh, absolutely. Lord, I thank you for uh, the candid conversations and the hearts of these men of God that have come together to uh, have some meaningful conversations to help our youth leaders that are uh, connected to this podcast and this broadcast. I pray in the name of Jesus that the words that were said here are taken in context and taken in heart and that we will be able to learn from it, glean from it, and be able to take some actionable steps in order to better our community and better the people that we lead. In the name of Jesus, help us by your spirit, because that's the only thing that's going to give us uh, the sure and clear direction on what to do next. Thank you, Lord, for this in Jesus' name. Youth Ministry fam, thank you so much for having this very important conversation with us. We hope and pray that you find some action items, some inspiration, some next steps on how you can help lead your students and yourselves through this very important topic. As you heard, this is just the beginning of this conversation on racism here at the Rush Student Ministry Podcast. So stay tuned. Youth leader, we love you. We believe in you. And remember, we post a new episode for you and your team every Monday. So be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Text this episode to any and everyone so that we can grow together. I'm Preston Keller, and we'll catch you next time on the Rush Student Ministry Podcast.